Welcome to Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. And I'm Ty Turley. And I hope that you're listening to us tonight to perform a little bit of escapism and not uh, work on your finals if you're a student. Huge on the campuses, I've heard. You know, the right person on a campus starts listening to their podcast and it blows up. Yeah, check for our tour dates in the spring. We'll be hitting major colleges around the country. Not as many as as we would like because our manager sucks. I don't. I don't. Is that a dig at me? No. Are you our manager? Who is? <laughs> exactly. Also, we're accepting applications for manager position. Yeah. <laughs> this week we're going to be talking about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to give our pick for favorite movie that breaks the fourth wall uh, because I think this movie. Does that a little bit in his TV show, but then also in sort of that dream sequence. I think it happens later towards the end of the movie. Uh, Ty, what was your fourth wall breaking movie choice? Mine is Deadpool. I love Deadpool. I can see that. Very funny. What's yours? Uh, It's Fight Club. Mm. Love of Fincher. I still haven't seen it. Sad. I'm sad for you, I guess. Yeah. No, you're probably fine. No, I'm going to see it someday. When I'm ready emotionally. I mean, it was built for like 24 year old boys, I think. So I missed my window. I don't know. Or maybe you're just getting there. Okay. Young at heart. Okay. Brad Pitt's having such a good year. Very good year. All right. Let's talk about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, I mean, I guess first I want to talk about the structure, the how they set up the story. How did Wait, you like it? First, we should talk about the fact that. This movie is a bait and switch. You think it's going to be about Fred Rogers, but it's not. He's not even in the movie. Tom Hanks got a nomination for Golden Globe as a supporting actor. He is a supporting actor in this role. Don't well, you think? Yes, I think that now that I saw it. Did you know that going in? Only because I had read that it really is not about Tom Hanks. It's about the writer. But I don't think the trailer makes that obvious. No, way, it's total bait and switch. That writer's image isn't on the posters. No. Well, Tom Hanks is the draw. Who knows about Matthew Reese? I mean, I do. Those American heads out there. Those of us who watch The Report. He's got a reporter, the reporter uh, type down pat, apparently. Yeah. I think he's also in The Post. Him and Tom Hanks are buddies. Are they? No, I have no idea. They've just oh. been in two movies together. <laughs> Tom Hanks is so nice. I'm sure they are friends now. Well, are, I guess you did... Did you not like the structure of this movie, having it be about the reporter? I don't know. This movie grew on me. Or at first, I I felt condescended to. I felt like I hated the beginning where they treat us like little kids. And so for the middle of the the movie, I was kind of angry, honestly. But I think I liked liked this. I came around to it. I mean, I think it's probably because Mr. Rogers was sort of just a good guy, right? Like, maybe not as dramatically interesting. And I don't know. There's some there is there are some melancholy notes played in this movie about Mr. Rogers that never get explained. I did like the conversation where they're talking about like how is the pressure of dealing with people's sadness and Mr. Rogers just like can't address the question directly. Yeah, there's that. There's also the weirdest part of the movie, which is the very last thing you see, him playing the discordant low chord. Which is what he said he does when he's angry. Yeah. 
That's a super dark way to end the movie. The, end, the movie ended very darkly to me. It, it, may, it, it ended with me thinking, oh, Fred Rogers wants to kill someone and can't tell anyone. <laughs> I, I, I bet he doesn't have much of a release or anybody to talk to. But they never show that. Why not? Sh- well, they hint at it, like I'm saying. Why, don't, yeah. why not show that? Why not delve into that? That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, this is also based on the article that someone actually wrote about him. Right? So maybe, did you read the article? Did you go find it? No. Did Me you? Either. No. <laughs> this is a movie review podcast, not an old articles review podcast. I don't got time for that. Uh, besides, even if, even, if the, even if it's not in the article, well, I don't know. I think those melancholy, sad, weird, discordant notes must be played in the article, too, I'm guessing, because they put it in the movie. But if they are played in the article, you could add to it in the movie and explain it, or, or you know, nothing's limiting the filmmakers from exploring that more. Yeah, but I guess I would just say the writer's arc is clear, right? You see the transition. There's something they can map the story onto. And maybe it's not as clean if you try to do that just with Fred Rogers. Okay, maybe. It is, it is cleaner. I mean, I agree. It's the, obviously, the story structure is all there, set up by the well-written article. I agree yeah. with that. So you did not like the experience of being in the TV show initially? I, I hated it. Still, I had a very, even at the end? No, by the end it was okay. The, the but I was mad. I, yeah, I was mad at the beginning. The one thing that came from that that I, I loved, and maybe is the favorite thing about this movie, the transitions and establishing shots being done in that sort of model configuration like you you pan out from the neighborhood view and you see pittsburgh and then you go to new york and i think we've talked about this before i hate establishing shots so i thought this was kind of a fun way to do it (laughs) i didn't know you hate establishing shots that's funny yeah i i think they're so wasteful and it's like are you going to show me the same four things in boston for every boston movie (laughs) read okay make sure mental note not for establishing shots Establishing shots in my films. Jeez. Yeah, just get into it. We know we're in Boston. Shoot. I don't know. Did you I don't know. Did you like the models and that structure? No, I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> it felt cheesy and, and hokey to me. Or just too much. Like, I don't know. You don't need to rely on that. The story is enough. You don't need the clever devices. But they weren't even that clever. They didn't add that much, I would say. I mean, I, they're, I get... I get why they're interesting and I would say beautiful even, but they don't, I mean, do they get to some deeper truth that the movie's about for you? I think it just keeps it in that framework of the, it's like an episode, right? It's like an episode of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, I find Mr. Rogers honestly kind of creepy anyway and condescending for sure. So because of his focus on children. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, I don't know, the vibe, he doesn't seem like a real person. At least the persona that I knew growing up watching his show. So, yeah, I mean, I think that was, that stacks the deck against, this this film had to overcome that for me. And I mean, do you think Tom Hanks did some of that characterization or was good in that role? I thought he was fine. I don't think he was great. I think it's tough because they did just have the documentary come out about Fred Rogers last year. 
So you, yeah. you got to see sort of the behind the scenes with him. And Tom Hanks just didn't do much of a transformation, I would say. I mean, it no. just always, I don't know. I don't think he physically embodied Mr. Rogers at all. And he might have had his affect, but... He didn't. He didn't do the voice. He did, I don't think he had the affect. Yeah, yeah. It was hard for me to ever think of Mr. Rogers. It was always just like, oh, this is Tom Hanks. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, it's very hard to play another actor, obviously. that You're playing someone that the world is all very familiar with, physically, voice, demeanor. So, it's a tough job. I, yeah. I was not drawn in by Tom Hanks in this movie. I don't know. Why, why do you think they wanted to make this? Like, what drove Tom Hanks to take this project on? I read that uh, he was feeling... He had read something about how there needed to be more films made by women directors in Hollywood. And he heard that this movie had a female director attached to it. And so he, and that they were interested in him. And so he said he'd do it because he thought he needed to be part of the change. Or if, if he really wanted to see a difference, then he'd have to actually put his money where his mouth is. That's actually awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, yeah awesome meaning you support that? Yeah, I or, support that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you think the other actors did in Matthew Reese's family, like his dad and him interacting with his wife? Do you think they got, were they just sort of character caricatures or do you think they were more fleshed out? Um, I thought his dad was a compelling character. Uh, goes through a tough, you know, he has to, you see him at different points of his life and then he has to go through this humbling and he, you know, takes, I thought his reaction to how, harsh the writer was on him was very believable. Um, so I did like that. I thought his wife was uh, pretty good. I mean, I love the scene where she says, you're not the only one that talks to Fred Rogers. Yeah, she had a couple of good lines. I also like the, I think it's in the trailer, but like, don't ruin Mr. Rogers for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I did a good job of showing why he was so angry. I think that dream sequence where he's in a show was pretty interesting. That's sort of where I finally was like, okay, I'm okay with them treating this movie like it's an episode. I'll relax. I I did not like that part. I thought just all seemed very strange. I don't know to be so surprised and like collapse, and then he's just in the Rogers house afterwards. Like, why wouldn't he be at a hospital? Well, you don't go to the hospital if you do just faint, do you? Maybe you do. I think if they're in a city you don't live in, you do. Not if you're not if Mr. Rogers is there to take care of you. Apparently, <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, huh. I thought it did a good job of showing that he was a man of deep faith, which must have been true. And a lot of the stuff he did was motivated by his. I mean, I think he was a pastor, right? Yeah, I think so. Very Christian. The fact that he asks his dad at the end to pray for him, I love that. I also, yeah, I mean, I think it also sh- was able to show his impact on people's lives. Because, I mean, this movie is still set pretty late in his run as Mr. Rogers, right? It's in the 90s. So you you see him on the subway. I thought that scene was very good where everyone starts singing the song. Yeah. Emotional, at least. I don't know. Do you remember watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Uh... Just very vaguely. It doesn't seem like it was something we watched a lot of. Yeah. Hmm. Are there other things you liked or disliked about? Miss uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? No. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, 
It was pretty I forgettable. I, I don't know if I had such high expectations for it, and I don't, I don't think I would ever watch this again. No. What would you rate it out of five, then? I think I'm going to give it a two. Uh, I'm going to give it a three uh, for, for the establishing shots alone. I, I liked that. Oh, my gosh. Why are, what's, why are model establishing shots better than normal establishing shots? It's still New York City skyline. Yeah, but it's just different. It's unique. It's not just that one picture of the the new Trade Center Tower, the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay, what about the establishing shot for Billions, though? It's pretty. But it's that, that's like part of the credits, isn't it? That one where yeah. it's com- coming up on the southern tip of Manhattan. Yeah. It is, but still, I mean, a lot of establishing shots are part of the credits. Does that change it for you? That's fine, I guess. I, I just think in movies, it's like, don't also put up the Chiron of where they are. <laughs> well, and not, not everyone recognizes the skyline of Pittsburgh. Ugh, all the bridges, are you kidding? Safeco Field. No, come on. I've never even been to Pittsburgh, and I knew that. You were a sophisticated movie watcher. There are not a lot of movies set in Pittsburgh. Can you name four? Jack Reacher. Dang it, that's the one I was thinking of right away. <laughs> uh, some movie about the pirates. <laughs> like maybe in Major League, they play against the pirates one Ex- game. Exactly. Uh, the Current Wars. The cr- yeah. Okay. The current war. Right? Carnegie's house that, is there. That's true. And I'm sure I get Jack Reacher 2. <laughs> no, that's in DC or something. The field that gets blown up in The Dark Knight Returns there you is, go. The, is the Pittsburgh Steelers arena. But it's the Gotham football team, so it doesn't count. Okay, but I bet they have Rivers establishing shots in there. Probably. I don't know. I thought it was okay. All right. I just, I was angry for half the movie and it had a few cute lines, but it just was very forgettable to me. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Do you have something else you want to recommend? Reed, I made a mistake this weekend. I went to last Christmas. No. Did you go to it? No, I didn't. And you of know, course, I've seen almost anything. Of course you didn't. Can you guess what the last Christmas of the title refers to? It's. It got spoiled for me. Isn't Henry Golding's character dead? Yes, he's dead. And he gave his heart to the girl last Christmas. Literally, his heart was used in a transplant into her body. They did that already with Minnie Driver. Don't try to pull that again. Well, but it just, it matches the first line of the song, obviously. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. But then none of the rest (laughs) of that song is relevant or... Has anything to do with the movie? Yeah. Uh, I hated it so much. It's so bad. It's worse than those Christmas Prince movies you watch on Netflix or whatever. I mean, it was you, so bad. No, I've never seen any of those. Well, some, of us, some of us have to please people in our lives. I didn't go to Last Christmas by myself. Okay. I think my hot take is there are not a lot of good Christmas movies. Well, yeah. There are a few great ones, though. Like what? Home Alone is one of my favorite movies. Probably top five. It's like Christmas adjacent. It takes place during Christmas. It's centrally focused on Christmas and forgiveness. Okay. 
That's yeah. why it's better. That's why it's better than just an action movie because it has the amazing sub. Not I wouldn't even say it's a subplot. It's like the amazing redemption story of how he learns to love. Okay, Home Alone and Die Hard. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. They say that every time. Bruce Willis, I think, has said that in interviews. <laughs> okay, well then, I don't know. I just the think fan- they're always they're always too like treacly, too sweet. Yeah, they are pretty bad. Anyway, I intentionally spoiled Last Christmas to try to encourage you out there listening not to go see it. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Reed. What's your recommendation? Uh, I don't have anything right now. <gasps> well, <laughs> no, let's... I've got something. You have to have something. Something. Um... You told me you watched something today. Yeah. You said you For... edited... Go ahead. <laughs> For my recommendation... Uh, Remy and I have been going back through and watching Community, oh. and I think it has some great sort of setups and one-liner jokes. I think it it's really cleverly written. Hmm. I, yeah, interesting. I watched three episodes of it once, and I just couldn't get it. I should try it again. A young Donald Glover. Yeah, I know. I mean, I sh- it should be good. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Two Brothers Review. I'm Reed Turley. I'm Ty Turley. Off to finish my finals. Bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.